And if 99 Cent Tacos led to your war within, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe, that is Dan, that is Jeff. Shadows fall. I think I gotta go run to the bathroom. I think Mushroom Head was lying when they said sun doesn't rise. Well, you know, it's not really 99 Cent Tacos anymore. It's never really been 99 cent tacos. Yeah, it has there been. has always been sales tax. Well, they're like 50 well, cent tacos. On, it depends it's two on the tacos state. for 99 cents. It was that way my whole life. But recently I ordered it and they're like, it's $1.19 for two tacos. And I'm like, you motherfuckers. I mean, I still want 14, but you know. Yeah, that's why you go to Jack in the Crack, man. Jack in the Box tacos are way, way better anyway. It's just like a tortilla covered in grease that's deep fried. And what's the problem issue with that? Is what? <laughs> I was just stating a fact. I mean, my issue is your issue right now, Jeff, because your issue needs to stay out of the studio. <laughs> you know, a band I don't have a lot of issues with Shadows Fall. Shadows Fall. Rock solid band. It is. Something about those S bands Slipknot, Soilwork, Shadows Fall. Shakira. Wow, Shakira. we really did talk about all S bands this month, oh, didn't wait, we? Wait, wait, Sam Hain. So Shadows Fall is one of the earliest metalcore bands that I remember hearing. Now, I realize that metalcore is much older than Shadows Fall, but they were one of the first ones that I heard. And they sounded a hell of a lot different then than they do now. We're going to get into all of that. Well, before we get into all of that, I want to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We are on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening, and now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. We love five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion. How much do we love them? We love them so, so much. Do we love them as much as Jeff loves 99-cent tacos? I don't think that there's a love that exceeds that. That's more of a love-hate relationship. Yeah, forget what I said. Yeah, it kind of is, but, you know, five-star reviews are great because it helps us get recommended to people that haven't heard us before. Like, you're hearing us right now, and you know it's awesome, or you're being forced to listen to it at gunpoint. One of the two. Either way... Go ahead and leave us a five-star review. You can leave us reviews anywhere, but the two platforms we get reviewed on the most are Apple Podcasts. You can leave us a starred review and uh, your own summary of what you think of the podcast. And you can actually leave us a review on Facebook, a starred review, or you can recommend us on Facebook. All of that stuff helps us out immensely. It is literally the greatest thing that you can do for us that doesn't cost you any money. So, Dan, tell me about Shadows Fall. Shadows Fall was a metalcore band that started in the late 90s, which is one of my favorite sentences of all time because everybody knows that I love late 90s, early 2000s metalcore. I'm getting to the point where I can almost open the show with a soundboard of you saying metal band from the late 90s. Well, yeah. Like, honestly, our website should be called DiscussMetalcore.com because that's what we do a lot of the time. That's how you can tell that this is... uh Dan's show and not Jeff's show. All right, because it's not discussnewwave.com. Ooh, 
Jeff, is that available? We should buy that. Oh, if it is. Yeah. We should buy that, yeah. And then it yeah. just redirects to us. Ha <laughs> ha, joke's on you, fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> we mentioned New Wave like twice on the Soil Work and the Sam Hain episodes, and that's it. Yep. It's all you get. Uh, I was going to say if it was mine to be like melodic death metal or some shit like that. Now, the first Shadows Fall album that I heard was The Art of Balance. I remember going to Target every day. Maybe it wasn't every day because like my brother had to drive me and he was kind of a dick, so... You know, he only drove me like maybe once or twice a week. And uh, it was always between the new Slipknot album or the Shadows Fall album. Those S's again. Yeah. It was a hard choice. But one day I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to give the Shadows Fall band a chance. And I listened to the Art of Balance. And the Lord looked down upon it and said, it is good. So I started checking out all the old Shadows Fall stuff. Which is kind of a surprise for me because the old Shadows Fall stuff doesn't sound anything like the Art of Balance. Right down to not even having the same vocalist on the first album. And who is the vocalist on the first album? Somber Eyes to the Sky. Phil Labonte. From All That Remains. That is correct. And, uh, yeah, he was a singer that was on this album. Is the nicest thing that I can say. See, Phil is not one of those examples of somebody that used to be really great and isn't so great now. Yeah, Unless he, you're talking about all that remains. He went to finishing school. Hey, we need to talk about he, all that remains. Yes, we do. But it's not a band that starts with us, so we can't talk about it. We them. can't talk about it. It's just contractually obligated not to talk <laughs> about it. But the first album, Somber Eyes to the Sky by Shadows Fall, is a very standard late 90s metalcore. Yeah, there's nothing, nothing stand out on this album. Well, I think there's a lot of standout stuff. It's just not structured in such a way that it makes sense. These are not songs. And it's weird, too, because like if you go and look up Shadows Fall, they're going to say that their early albums were melodic death metal, which is incorrect. I'm sorry if I'm the first one that has to tell you that, but it's incorrect. This is late 90s metalcore. And the riff ideas are great, but these are not songs. These are riff ideas strung together. Some of the riffs are great. Some of them are not so great. And some of them are just plain weird, especially whenever they throw those weird clean vocals over them. If this was the first thing I'd heard and I'd pick this up in 97 or 98, I would have just thought this was an intense version of thrash metal. And I would have compared it probably to Cannibal Corpse or Napalm Death or even Slayer. It would not have been as good as those bands but I would have been intrigued. I think people that went to shows and saw this band back in 97 probably had a great show. Because, like, I'm going to acknowledge in 2018 that this is not great material. No. However, I have a certain nostalgia for late 90s metalcore. The whole play this rip for 15 seconds and then play another one for 15 seconds and then play another one. And the only thing that's really disappointing about that formula is that they'll play something truly awesome for 15 seconds and then that's it you're just left if you're lucky if you're lucky they'll play two distinctly different super awesome things in one song and it's not that they can't play they can they just don't know how to write songs yet and the vocal delivery by phil labonte is not his finest (laughs) that's an understatement however there wasn't really a gold standard yet for metalcore vocals in the late 90s. So this is 97, so that would have been the same year that Zayo's Blood and Fire Bring Rest came out. 
So, again, bands that sounded like this really weren't entirely sure what to do. But I do think that Phil's delivery on this is very indicative of that time and that scene. So I don't think that they're bad. I think they're good for what they are. You know, like he sounds like a late 90s metalcore vocalist would sound, which is a mixture of, you know, deeper guttural vocals and kind of a little bit more of that raspy vocal delivery, like I was saying about Zayo. But he also makes some really weird choices vocally where, like, he starts delivering super fast. Yeah, I don't do And it just doesn't really work because he's trying to match the riff or he's trying to match the beat. But with vocals, you kind of have to ignore that shit and just have your own flow. And he really didn't have a good flow yet. He sounded like he was playing catch up half the time. And some of his vocal takes are so like, really, dude, you decided to just keep that and not try it again. There's a lot of that on this record. And the music overall is a little bit sloppy in places. Like, you can just hear audible mistakes on some of the songs. And that really kind of bugs me. But again, I think the nostalgia of the way it sounds is enough for me to say this is a pretty decent record for its time. It's a time capsule. What was the alternative in 97? It would have been new metal. This is definitely well, not, not that. even new metal. I mean, new metal didn't even start getting mainstream till like 98, 99. So, I mean, even this, this is this is outrageously heavy and extreme for 97. But they were trying to be melodic, too, and I think they succeeded in that a little bit, like 40% of the time. But a lot of these riffs were obviously borrowed or, or for lack of a better term, directly lifted from popular European metal bands at the time. So, like, there's a lot of, like, In Flames riffs. There are a lot of, like early soil work type stuff in there. There's a lot of At The Gates riffs. Uh, metalcore bands in the late 90s loved the fuck out of At The Gates. <laughs> and uh, it's very evident on this record. And just a lot of the European, like the Swedish death metal bands from that time, like your Dismember and uh, Entombed and bands like that. You know, they Europe had this really cool thing going in the late 90s and then the Americans were like, okay, how do we do that? but play it for hate breed fans. <laughs> that was kind of their mindset going in. And that was largely responsible for the creation of metalcore in the late 90s. So like I said, this is a very nostalgic listen for me because I'm used to listening to records like this. I've heard a lot that are a lot worse than this, and I've heard a lot that are a lot better than this. I think this is very middle of the road. It's not the best that they can do. But for a first record, there's some enjoyable parts on it. It's like going back and listening to Kill 'Em All when you've heard Master of Puppets. This is what started this band in the public eye. So if you have this record, or if you were there day one, this record came out, what is this Shadows Fall thing? That's a really cool name. I'm going to pick that record up because, yes, we still bought records based on the name in the late 90s. And when Of One Blood came out, three years later... Would you have picked this up because of the first record? I don't think so. I don't think that the first record or even of One Blood was the world's introduction to Shadows Fall. I think Somber Eyes to the Sky was a record that might have done well in their local scene, but I don't think it was like Make It Waves in Metalcore. If there even was like that much of a Metalcore scene in 97, I think there was a hardcore scene and I think there was a metal scene that probably still had like leftover thrash bands. 
but they really, I don't think, made very many waves on the first record. But I think that they had a little bit of self-awareness. Like like Joe said, they waited three years, you know, to put out their second album with a vocalist change. Now, I don't know if this is true or not, so any listener can feel free to correct me on this. But I believe Phil Labonte left the band due to musical differences. And I believe those differences were that they wanted a more melodic vocalist. And at the time, Phil Labonte was not that. Because I, I don't think that was him doing the clean vocals on Somber Eyes to the Sky. I think that that was another band member doing those. I could be wrong about that, but they didn't sound amazing there either. Which is just kind of funny because when Phil went off to start All That Remains... It's just funny that that would be the reason why he wouldn't be in the band anymore, like in Shadows Fall, because he wasn't a great melodic singer. And then that's what they're known for. Yeah, I don't have to. <laughs> I don't have to, you know, spell out how weird that is saying it in 2018. However, he was gone, so they pulled in a guy named Brian Fair from the band Overcast, who is a, a, a pretty popular hardcore band uh, in the late 90s. And they concocted this record called Of One Blood. And it is about 400% better than the first album. Agreed. The <laughs> vocals are so brutal on this one. Yeah. Like, Brian Fair absolutely kills it in the extreme vocal department. Yes, he does. But he starts to introduce a little bit more of a melodic edge to his delivery. So there's a lot of, like, thrashy, shouted vocals. Um, it's kind of like a little bit of a James Hetfield, but... He, he makes it his own. He sounds uniquely like himself. I can't think of anybody else that really sounds like Brian Fair. But, man, did they write better songs on this? Absolutely. Well, they well for starters, it's like you said. It's There's not riff, you know, linked together. This is actual songs this time, unlike the first album. And I think the only negative that I can say about Of One Blood is that it's kind of riff salad. They had three years worth of ideas, but there's a lot of shit packed into each one of these songs, like five or six different riffs per song plus solos. And there's a lot of fucking guitar solos on this record. This is there's like, what, 745 guitar solos on this record. <laughs> I'm OK with that. Citation needed. Looking back on this album, having heard it not for the first time, but for the first time in a long time, I'm put off by the metalcore tropes. The riffs start to sound the same, and they start to sound like riffs I've heard other bands play. At the time, I don't know that that would have been an issue. I think it would have just been intense thrash with, as Dan likes to say, tremolo picking. I don't really think anybody would have complained about it. And it's definitely better than the first record. I don't think they were metalcore tropes in 2000. I'm saying the tropes did not exist yet. Right. They so would come is... very soon, but this was still kind of new in the ears of the public. Yeah, I mean, I think the only thing that's really similar between the first record and this one is that it's still obviously very influenced by European metal bands. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. Not in 2000. Because they're still playing music that I think a lot of people would say was innovative. And this is far more innovative than Somber Eyes to the Sky was. Yeah, now that you mentioned the James Hetfield similarity, I'm like listening with my Injustice for All ears. It's almost uncanny. Yeah, I mean, you can't uh, unhear it 
once you make that comparison. But, and I used to actually describe Shadow's Fall to people as like, it's like if Metallica was a new band. Is very in similar. 2005. Especially, yeah. <laughs> especially whenever we get into uh, into their later stuff. But uh, I really loved Of One Blood. And it might be my favorite Shadows Fall album because the vocals are so brutal. The riffs are still European and still have more of a melodic tinge to them. But you could see that they were starting to kind of distance themselves from that, like what all the other metalcore bands were doing. Whereas, you know, this record comes out in 2000 and the dudes from Asley Dying are sitting in a basement being like, okay, guys, hear me out. We're going to do like three at the gates riffs. (laughs) <laughs> and then throw some breakdowns on it. No solos. And I'm just going to like scream over all of it. What do you guys think? Can we sing a little bit at the beginning yeah, okay, of the fine. chorus? Okay, fine. But like... On every song, though. Shadows Fall, though, was more focused on like... Okay, it's going to be obvious that we listen to all these melodic European bands. So we've got to make it heavier... But like legitimately heavier, not like just, not just be reliant on the fact that our vocalist is a heavy vocalist. Let's just throw all the shit that we have accumulated over time into this record and make it as good as we can and make as many changes as we have to make. And I think that Of One Blood is a passion project, and I think it is a much better introduction to the band than Sombrise to the Sky ever was. And then the art of balance happened, which was my introduction to the band. Thank you, Dan. Everybody's real introduction to Shadows Fall comes from the art of balance. Because I believe this was Century Media. Well, the previous one was also Century Media. Was it? Yes. Okay. But you remember like what I was saying uh, on the Soil Work episode. Back then, you had to almost import Century Media stuff. That is correct. So Of One Blood back in 2000 probably didn't get the massive distribution that the Art of Balance had. I bought the Art of Balance at fucking Target. So you could tell, like, things had changed, you know, in the in the couple of years between those two releases. And uh, but I'll tell you what, the Art of Balance is one hell of a record. But it's almost completely different, a completely different Shadows Fall, because at this point, you've gone from, you've basically listened to three different bands now. Yes. You've got the early metalcore band on the first album. You've got this, like, melodic death metal thing on the second one. And then the third album is, like, American thrash metal mixed with some metalcore. I haven't been able to talk much because you're essentially saying everything I want to say. Well, you know, (laughs) I like to get in your head and your Uh, But... The thing is, is that, like, the Art of Balance, I remember hearing and being like, wow, this sounds like Metallica, but it doesn't really sound like Metallica. It sounds like a modern metal band, you know, with James Hetfield doing more extreme vocals. Like I said, that comparison's hard to shake because it is very real and it's hard to unhear. If you've if you've never listened to Shadows Fall with Metallica in mind, now you're welcome. Now you can never get that out of your head. Except their music's, like, way better. Yeah, it's just like whenever you see somebody tells you that they can see Jesus in that piece of toast. Afterwards, you can't help but look at that piece of toast and see Jesus. I mean, I can see Jesus (laughs) on the wall if I move the spray can the right way. Um, it's still relevant today. The Art of Balance is an interesting introduction to the band because it's kind of this halfway point between being super extreme, but also being pop sensibility enough for people to get into. 
they, you know, they put this record in Target for a reason. Because this is whenever they were like, hey, go we to the metal section. <laughs> well, yeah, go to the metal section. Don't buy the new Slipknot. Don't buy Limp Biscuit. Don't buy Corn. Buy Shadows Fall. Because this is what metal's going to sound like for the next 10 years. Dude, I'm so going to buy the new Tool record. I'm happy I bought Shadows Fall. I think I bought Zebra Head. There is some <laughs> negatives because there's always negatives. Brian Fair's extreme vocals are not nearly as extreme as they were on Of One Blood. It's like a 25% reduction in aggression and just overall grit. Now, this could have something to do with the fact that, oh, fuck, Of One Blood was a huge record and we toured so much on it that I just don't want to fucking do that every night again. Uh, and so he does a little bit more of the guttural stuff on this record and get used to that and enjoy that because this is probably the last time you're going to hear it. Um, he doesn't really do any gutturals again after this point, but I think it's what gives the Art of Balance kind of that metal legit edge. Um, and let's talk about the riffing for a minute. The riffing is like almost pure American thrash metal in a lot of places. Absolutely. It's sick, though. Well, yeah. But whenever they get melodic, like they had that melodic twinge, there's still a little bit of that European influence in there. But instead, it's just like a teaspoon of sugar versus the whole cup. cup of sugar. Right. Yeah. And so it complements it really well because you could you could definitely say Shadows Fall just did what all the other American metal core bands did. They took European influences and added breakdowns to it. But this is kind of breakdown free metal. Yep. Like it really separates Shadows Fall from all the bands that were like, "How do we appear? How do we? How do we appeal to hate breed fans?" I think they. I think it's by design. Yeah, I just don't think they wanted it to be pigeonholed. Are there breakdowns in thrash metal? There are, but I mean, I'm talking about the generic metalcore open note breakdown. The point that I'm making is this sounds closer to classic thrash, specifically Metallica. It sounds like nothing but downstrokes, and the drummer's just keeping the beat and the band is playing together as opposed to the metalcore breakdown, which was let's just slow down what we were playing a minute ago and halftime everything every minute and a half. This sounds like a metal band, just a straight metal band, and it would be very Americanized. Well, and I think at this time, too, because what was this record, 2002? Yeah, I think so. You know, there was there were bands like Asley Dying out there and Killswitch Engage, which is interesting because Adam D from Killswitch Engage produced the first Shadows Fall album, Somber Eyes to the Sky. Talk about somebody that got a, became a way better producer over time. <laughs> I think this really separated them from the pack. And I feel like old dude metal fans, you know what I'm talking about with old dude metal fans? They're like, don't give me any of that new metal shit. Don't give me any of that metal core bullshit. I think those are the kind of guys that were like, but that band's Shadows Fall, they're pretty cool. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, because they've left their uh, European influences behind for the most part. They're straight ahead American thrash at this point. And there's a lot of good old boys that this is right up their alley. Yeah. We live in, we live in middle U.S., so we know lots of people like that. So this, is, this gets lots of airplay still. Uh, at least in the St. Louis area, even though this is not a uh, a metal town, all the rednecks know who Shadows Fall is. Right. Well, and I think that Shadows Fall was a really hip, the hipster rednecks. Yeah. Well, Shadows <laughs> Fall was a really. I listened to Ted Nugent 
and shadows fall. <laughs> that makes me modern, right? Absolutely. But I think Shadows Fall was a really cool bridge between the people that liked old thrash and the people that were just getting into metalcore. I think a lot of people probably got into metalcore through Shadows Fall that will only listen to shit like Slayer and Metallica and stuff like that. But they're like, oh, my God, listen to how much heavier this is. Well, the impression I get is the average metalcore fan doesn't really talk about Shadows Fall. It's either the band that they know about but they don't ever mention or it's a band they don't listen to because it's not As I Lay Dying. Well, well there's the, no breakdowns and kids love to dance. Yeah, this is the... Uh, I don't think flailing your arms is dancing, sir. This okay, is the Grandpa. Band, yeah, this is the band that left Metalcore. I, I think that has something to do with it, too. They kind of turned their back on it because we're talking about the average Metalcore fan, but like the average Metalcore fan between like 2002, 2005, it was all Azalee Dying, Unearth, Kill Switch Engage, fucking even Hatebreed, you know, had a massive surgence in the in the early 2000s. Like they were always a well-respected band before that, but they really took off. You know, you even had uh, a lot of that really melodic metal chord that started coming out, like Bless the Fall and, you know, stuff like that. Um, Metalcore was considered the new wave of American heavy metal. But what's weird about it is that I feel like the only band that was playing actual heavy metal without the indie influence of Metalcore, because Metalcore has a massive indie influence that a lot of people like to ignore. Like, there's a reason why Azalea Dying's clean vocals sound a little whiny. You know, there's a reason why um, a lot of these bands were almost more like screamo bands with breakdowns and stuff. Like, that's a part of metalcore that a lot of people claim to hate now. But, like, back in 2002 to 2005, everybody was like, oh, my God, I love how they blend melody and heaviness. But, like, Shadows Fall was really the only band that was doing it, except maybe, like, with the exception of Killswitch had strong clean vocals that weren't whiny indie influenced type of vocals right um and so that really made them stand out to people that were just looking for some hard-hitting shit with some good solos and some good riffs and shadows fall had all of that yeah well di maybe diecast as well yeah that that wasn't whiny vocals and that was the uh late 90s but talking about people going and leaving to uh, going to All That Remains, that's another uh, the drummer from Diecast went to uh, All That Remains. We ready for the war within? Oh, I'm I, so ready, man. I think we are. There's one thing that we neglected to mention on the Art of Balance and that was the excellent cover of Pink Floyd's Welcome to the Machine. Oh, that's right. Dude, that is such a great fucking cover. It's one of my favorite songs ever recorded. Yeah, and it really, they, they did the song justice. Yes, they did. It but was, they still made it heavy. And made it their own enough. Yeah, I, I was funny because earlier this week I texted Dan and I'm like, oh, now I just want to go listen to Pink Floyd. Yeah, I mean, like the Shadows Fall version is great. It's a little weird, but it works. Like it works way, like if you told me about it and I hadn't heard it yet, I'd be like, oh, what the fuck? Why are they covering Pink Floyd? You know, like that's a disgrace to them and to Pink Floyd. But then... You listen to it, and it's played so straight, and it just sounds amazing. Brian Fair really shows off his fucking clean vocals. Which are killer. Absolutely. So The War Within. Oh, fucking great track, man. What a way to open an album, dude. Yeah, they open it up slow. I hear a lot of Iron Maiden in uh, 
in The War Within. Like, somebody was on a huge fucking maiden kick whenever they recorded this album. And I don't really have a problem with it. This band is really good at, like, interlude melodic shit. Like, really good at it. And The War Within is, like, the ultimate expression of that. Um... There are heavy parts. Like I love how I love how the light that blinds or the light is it the light that blinds? Yeah, yeah, the light that blinds. Yeah, I, I always <laughs> I used to have to name these songs in iTunes myself, <laughs> so I think I always put that in as the light that binds. You know, because like it's well, metal, the, right? So like yeah, the light is binding, right? Yeah, like like fucking eating too much cheese, you know. <laughs> and uh, they listen to a lot of Maiden. They listen to a lot of Metallica. And they produced a record that metalheads would love universally across the board. This was probably their biggest record. Oh, it absolutely was. The day one edition that I bought was like a double disc deal with a DVD. And it was like in a huge digipack. And it was just amazing with the expanded artwork and everything. And you put it in, it just starts off with this super melodic intro. And then just the blast (laughs) <laughs> into it. Dude, this thing sold over 200,000 copies in the U.S. Holy shit. I did yeah. not realize it was that popular. Yeah. It actually made it to number 20 on the mainstream U.S. Uh, billboard rankings. Well, it's I, got I can't a, believe that. It's got awesome songs on it, too. Like, Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that. Yeah. I'm just saying that, like, I'm not expecting that from a uh, former metal core, pretty much straight-up thrash band at this point. Well, like, Enlightened by the Cold... Holy shit. Inspiration on demand. Holy shit. The power of I and I. Amazing. Like, this record just had it all. Yeah, it's a great album. That's But I'm just not used to being able to share it with the masses to, you know, th- this extreme. Well, this was 2004. This is when people were more comfortable buying a metalcore record. Because I still think it's metalcore, and that's going to piss people off. But it really still is. I still hear hardcore influences in it. Maybe that's just because Brian Fair was an overcast, and I just can't let it fucking go. But, Could be. Um, the only complaint I have on this record is I think the extreme vocals are very weak. Like, they're there. Like, he shout. Like, it's not a scream or a growl anymore. It's just a shout. I don't mind his shouty vocals at all, though. As time goes on... I don't on, mean that's... the shouty vocals. I mean okay. the vocals that are supposed to be extreme Okay. that aren't. Like, it just sounds like fluff. And it could be, because I've seen Shadows Fall live several times, and it is a much more brutal experience live than it is on record. So and they're so playing think, it nice for the masses, so I think, to speak? I don't think they are. I think the producers, like, toned it down. Let's cut the balls out of this a little bit. Because it sounds like, like the shouting, like the growling and shouting vocals sound like thin? they took five or six takes and just blended them together. Well, they sound thin. They yes. sound thin, but like coral. Like, like there's several of him shouting, like really far away, and they just turned it up. It just it sounds weak to me. But I've heard dude scream it out way better than that live, and on previous records. So I, again, I don't know who that's for, because I mean, by 2004, we're used to hearing fucking Howard Jones, or I'm sorry, not Howard Jones, uh, Jesse Leach from Killswitch growling the shit out you know the fucking uh you know tim lambesis was growling all of his shit at that point um people were didn't have a problem with the growl vocals and if you bought a shadows fall record you 
I don't think you'd have a problem with it. So I think it was just a weird stylistic choice, but I don't think it had anything to do with whether people could digest it or not. Hmm. One of two things happened just from listening to the record. Either the studio producer engineer did not know how to record those vocals without them sounding like absolute underground shit. Because you do have to know how to record hardcore vocals for it to sound good on tape. It could also be that he just decided that he wanted to be classic thrash metal because that was your 80s. Think of classic Slayer, like Rain and Blood even. It's shouting. And it may not be what the decision should have been at the time, but if it's what they wanted to do, what's wrong with it? It just doesn't sound like 2004 metalcore. So what? Right, and that was their intention anyway. It they has did been that way different. since The Art of Balance, you know? Like, they don't care about what other bands are doing. They're really trying to carve out their own sound, and they really do sound like one of the more original bands from that era. They don't sound like any of the other bands they were touring with. Um, I know some traditional metalheads didn't like it. I remember in 2005 doing an interview with an Australian thrash band, and they said that they had gone and seen a show with Shadows Fall, and everybody had told them that it was thrash metal, and then they went and saw it, and they're like, it just sounds like a hardcore band. You know, <laughs> and that that's why I think that there is still a little bit of hardcore influence, but, like, you start hearing a huge injection of, like, 80s metal, especially on the War, is, war Within, because the art of balance is heavy and is a little bit more core sounding, whereas the War Within has a lot of those 80s metal tropes like there's even like some hair metal type melodies in there and just the way they transition between parts in the in the songs it just sounds really like 80s sheen i have zero problem with everything you just said yeah there isn't really a problem with it um this record was still heavy enough because i mean can we talk about how tight the band is but they're fucking rock solid on this record i mean they they really i mean with the exception of the first album if you want to just think of Shadows Fall as one of One Blood on, they haven't fucked up at all yet. Like they've done great. Yeah, I would agree. And they, uh, they've been very consistent. And they actually had really cool, memorable choruses, but not like in a lame way. <laughs> like they kept the choruses just as powerful as everything else. But uh, the only complaint I really have is I just wish that the extreme vocals were more extreme. But that's going to be a common thing with me throughout this podcast. So if you guys haven't gotten used to that yet, I don't really know what to tell you. But uh, I'm just, uh, I was really impressed with The War Within and thought that it was a great follow-up to The Art of Balance. And I think it probably was Shadows Fall at their most popular. Yeah, at their most popular. I don't necessarily know if it's close to their best. But I think my favorite album still is yet to come, surprisingly. Okay. Well, Which I know I'm probably in the minority on that, but that's okay. Moving on to 2007's Threads of Life. Opening song is called Redemption. Redemption from what, guys? I don't hear anything wrong, and it sounds like you're still doing that thing you were doing last time. What's the problem? Yes, it does sound kind of like what they were doing last time. Except now we've had another 25% reduction in aggression. Threads of Life is slick as fuck. It is a very slick record. Very well produced. 
mostly clean vocal type of affair. And it's losing me a little bit as an extreme metal fan. Well, this is also on Atlantic Roadrunner. That might be part of the reason why it's slick as fuck. It's a, it's a watered-down version of The War Within, which I consider to be a pretty melodic, mainstream-sounding kind of record anyway. So to hear it go even less aggressive kind of throws me a little bit because even people that love bands like Metallica and Megadeth aren't, like, stoked when those bands go more melodic. Right. I'm, uh, I actually kind of like the fact that they're, you know, like you said, they're slick as fuck. They're becoming more hard rock, less metal on a lot of this stuff. I think they're still pretty metal, though. Yeah, I'm, but you you can see, like you said, you can see that, that that's... They want to get radio play. They, yeah. they, they, they've made a huge statement as being a more popular underground band. Right. But they're looking for that radio play now. They're, they're on a bigger record label. They have a, a Grammy-nominated single in redemption so right, i mean yeah. it, you know it's not so it, it worked to a certain extent except for the fact they didn't sell nearly as much as what they did on the previous well you can tell they have a team now yeah you know like they made a couple of good decisions on their own and then the team took over from there yeah which is i'm fine with I, uh, what i will say is you know his clean vocals are just you know way better than i ever thought they were going to be you know whenever going through and listening to the stuff i Whenever you first listen to whenever Brian was uh, like with over, you know, um, overcast. overcast and uh, yeah, I keep wanting to say diecast because I, I really want to talk about diecast and they both have cast in their name. We'll just put it on the <laughs> list, Jeff. You got I've, access. Hey, I, yeah, I, I, I think I put it on there at one point, but I don't think it's on there anymore. I mean, I delete everything that you put on the list, but okay. by all means, <laughs> put it on the list. But I really have enjoyed the direction his clean vocals have taken the dude is actually a really good singer i think the he's a much better singer than extreme vocalist at this point yes and coming from a guy that started in a hardcore band that's pretty cool yeah however the hardcore kid in me that's a total asshole is pissed off about is it. like come on dude how many years has he been in the band now let's see if threads of life was 2007 and of yeah. one blood was in 2000 seven or eight years yeah let's assume he was 22 when he joined the band seven years your voice is going to change you're going to be able to do things you couldn't do seven years ago part of the sheen that hardcore vocalists did and many of them still do is being extreme most of them are doing it wrong because well, yeah. they think it sounds heavier they think it sounds more extreme but really they're just not using proper technique when you start to actually develop your voice which honestly for the majority of the populace does not occur until your mid to late 20s you're going to sound different and certain things that you did before when you were growling wrong just won't work anymore and you're going to find that you can sing better than you ever could before this may have also been a logical next step for him. Guys, I can totally just sing it now, so let's do that. I guess this was the point in the career, though, where my personal interest in heavy music was different than what their vision was. And it doesn't mean that they're wrong, but it doesn't mean I'm wrong either. You were into emo. You're definitely wrong. Well, yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs>
I don't know if I was into emo in 2007. He was. He totally was. Okay, cool. Uh, now that that's out of the bag. Oh my god, shocker. Just turn this podcast off right now. We're all a bunch of fucking... I'm not. He is. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> in 2007, I think I was all industrial and... Well, that's convenient for the next coming month. Yeah, and uh, Swedish melodic death metal. And then that's whenever I discovered Cybreed was right around this time. And that was game over for me because that was combining the two. And then I started having to find all of these awesome bands that well, I always want to talk about. In 07, we were well into the Howard Jones era of Killswitch Engage. Yes, the operatic uh, vocals uh, take hold. And I liked the way Brian Fair sounded on The War Within and on The Art of Balance because I liked that his delivery was a little bit more real. It was a little bit more down to earth. You know? You like, he's a dude that could sing good, but he wasn't like trying to rock the stadium necessarily you didn't like you didn't like the polish on this one i did like the polish on the vocals because i feel like they were like they you know they burned him a copy of like you know uh the end of all heartache and they're like it needs to sound more like this see i don't think he does i don't think he does either because i don't think he has that same range you know but i feel like the expectation was like let's push it let's push your voice as far as we can and like I said, that doesn't make anybody involved in the process wrong. It just wasn't really what my preference was at the time. And or it even wasn't now. the norm of Metalcore. No, it was the norm of Metalcore, though. I think they wanted to sell Shadows Fall as a significantly slicker band than they really were. I think part of the cool thing about Shadows Fall, like you listen to The Art of Balance and you listen to uh, Of One Blood, and they're like gritty as fuck as far as like the vo even the clean vocals are dirty you know and now they're not dirty now they're fucking mr cleaned up and i'm just not into that approach very much with this type of band because i like their dirtier thrashier type riffs but whenever you put a you whenever you put a nice sheen coat over those dirty riffs and you put a sheen coat over the vocals they start just sounding like another band that was put out by a major label that's trying to appeal to as many people as possible. And don't get me wrong, I like money too. But I don't know if Shadows Fall was the best band for that polish. Shall we move to Retribution then? Retribution is another Shadows Fall album. With the fucking killer intro. It has a great intro. It's got so, Randy Blythe on it. Yeah, I mean, that's cool, I guess. I guess? It's cool. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking cool. It's whatever. It's not whatever. It's whatever. It is I not what I didn't like this album. I didn't like it for a lot of the same reasons I didn't like Threads of Life. It's not that it's bad. It's just not for me. It's chilling out a little too much for you? It's a little bit of a snore fest for me. I don't think they did anything wrong. I don't think they fucked up. I don't think they sound bad. But I just think they sound like a clean, sheen fucking Shadows Fall. You know what's funny is that the cleaner they got, the more I enjoyed them. I've done so much, well, all of us have, you know, so much death grind, grindcore, death metal, you know, we've just been really kicking ass and taking names, and it was a nice change of pace uh, that was actually quality, because we've had a couple of changes, changes of pace that I haven't particularly cared for. Uh, so when we went to soil work, that was just like my, you know, that's that was my groove, that's my jam. And we get to this, and I'm like, oh, yeah, 
some more great clean singing and I'm digging it. I feel the emotion that's soulful. Love the guitars on, on this album. But I know it's not for everybody because they've kind of left the roots totally behind. Uh, I guess you could say they've kind of tried to go too mainstream, pretty it up too much. And I'm actually okay with that on this particular album. I just don't think it's working, though. Uh, it's working for me, man. I I found myself enjoying this discography uh, listen through more uh, towards the end, which I was not expecting because I know they've kind of gotten shat on it a little bit at the end. See, I'm the exact opposite. Like, I think that they started, well, they started strong on of One Blood. <laughs> And they stayed strong for three albums. So, I mean, I've gotten my enjoyment. I mean, most bands that people love, their favorites are like, what, three or four albums? And the rest are kind of your mileage may vary. I'm right. definitely in that territory now. And I think some of the songs are cool. I think it's cool they did kind of a ballad. It's the first time they'd really done that. And it sounded cool. Um, there's no denying that Brian Fair is a great clean singer. It's just not really what I want to hear from him. I want to hear him doing the of one blood vocals <laughs> and i'm getting a little burned out on the i want to be james hetfield vocals at this point because now that's almost completely replaced that aggressive vocal like now the aggressive vocal is what i would have considered to be the less aggressive vocal on earlier albums you know who else you would uh you were saying comparing them to james hetfield how about uh matt from trivium oh yeah so we yeah. were talking about counter, you know, we were trying to think of counterparts before. I would say him and Matt uh, kind of end up going down that same path. And I know I'm one of the very few people, well, probably the only one in this room that actually likes Trivium. Well, Trivium was another band, though, that definitely tried to keep it more metal than core. Yeah. And I like them. Maybe that was part of it. You know, they were just kind of an, an offshoot at the time. They did their own thing. And it was kind of a throwback, and that's kind of how I feel about newer, uh, newer sh Shadows Fall. It's just I, and I think that's why I dug it. And it's probably the same reason why other people don't. The appeal at this point for me is the guitar playing. There's actual thrash metal riffing going on still. This is almost an answer to the other metalcore the under oath or the what i really want to say is insert name of band that ripped off hope's fall that style of metalcore this is almost the answer to that you can be melodic and have that feel that tone that was going on in what 2009 and still fucking play the guitar right and it, well i think it's kind of like what i was saying earlier about how there was the metalcore that was more indie influenced like your hopes fall and under oath and bless the fall and all that stuff versus the bands that were more metal than core and that you know because i'll even throw kill switch in that category and that they really were trying to keep it as metal as possible but i think where shadows fall really succeeds especially at this point in their career is they are more guitar driven and less atmosphere driven like, it's not as emotional as a band like Under Oath would have been, that it was all about the emotion. Whereas with Shadows Fall, it's all about the, look at how good we can play the guitar and listen to how great our solos are. And we got a fucking killer singer. 
that is trying to have a good technique more so than he's trying to be emotional. So when he is emotional, like on the ballady song, he sounds better. Like it really shines through. But that's not their focus. It's just a byproduct of them putting out a good sounding record. Like I said, there's nothing wrong with this. I just I like I like stuff that's a little bit less technique and more emotion. That's why I like super heavy bands because you know a lot of the time, you know, because like I came up on like a lot of the screamo bands that were out there, like the ones I'm always sending Jeff and I'm like listen to this and you're like this just sounds like grindcore. It doesn't like sound like screamo at all, and. Uh, those are the kind of bands that I'm more attracted to. And so when I hear that extremity in, in more of a technical metal band, I'm kind of like, oh, this is really cool because it's got that extremity that I like. That's the emotion, whereas the music is purely technical. With a band like Shadows Fall, though, it's all technique, and I lose a little bit of that passion that I have for heavier music whenever I get to these last few records. I'm kind of a, a mishmash of emotions when it comes to listening to music. There's some, sometimes, you know, you know, I just want something brutal, you know, kick my ass. And then there's sometimes I want a little polish, you know, it, this is a great album. If you want a little bit of polish. Absolutely. So you prefer your coffee with like a bunch of creamer and sugar. Fuck you, dude. No black only. Oh, that's but, where I'm coming from. No, listen to me on this black can, with some Tabasco sauce. You can have black coffee. But there's plenty of different types of beans, and you can have it, you know, strong, weak. You don't have to have additives. You can have variations just off the the black coffee itself, and that's kind of how I I view metal. And there's nothing wrong with having a latte once a month just because you want to appreciate the coffee differently. Well, sure. I mean, I like Coheed, too. No, I was going to say I like Britney Spears, but that's generally on... For my other podcast get out of my house <laughs> <laughs> all right one more guys fire from the sky all right it's my favorite album getting it out of the way get out of my house <laughs> which is funny because i found this one to be significantly heavier than the last who are they competing with in 2012 because there's a reason this is different than 2009 shadows fall themselves they're competing with shadows fall now and I think they're kind of being like, man, that guy Dan used to buy all of our records, and now he doesn't, so we need to put out something that he's going to actually buy. I think I I feel pretty comfortable in saying that, like, counterparts would be like, uh, like a trivium. Yeah. Jeff, do you want to talk about trivium? I do. And well, I trivium went through, the, went through the exact same type of, I mean, like, yeah. if you take this episode and you replace all every time we say Shadowfall with the word trivium, it's pretty much the same podcast. I wonder if exactly. that works. I'm going to try that. You should try that. I, it, it really special worked. bonus episode, the <laughs> trivium episode. Yeah, and then when Brian Matt did <laughs> that's perfect. But uh, extreme vocals are back. I'm like fuck yeah, oh yeah. Um, guitar tone is a lot thicker. It just has a lot more crunch to it. It's a little sludgier. It's kind of that dirtier Hope's fault. It's kind of that dirtier Shadows Fall. <laughs> it's all these fall bands, Yeah, man. just like me with Overcast and Diecast Bless earlier. Bless the Fall. <laughs> Let's see, there's Bless the Fall, Hope's Fall, Shadows Fall, Fall of Troy. Anyway, but this is definitely grittier and dirtier and heavier, and I believe Adam D produced this. I believe so. And Adam D 
is the guy that tries to make perfect sounding metalcore albums. And this comes pretty close. I think this is a good blend of what we heard early in the career and then later. This is like the uh, the offspring. Something needed to happen in 2012. Arguably, they did the same record twice. Degent was taken off at this time. Meshuggah was really a thing. Me and Dan were listening to a plea for purging. They had to do something. And maybe they decided just to put some extreme guttural death growling back in. I don't know. It's just another good record by Shadows Fall in my eyes. Well, it's more than the than the guttural vocals too, though. It's the I feel like the riffing is more frantic. Yeah, and I there's think there's quite a bit more pace going on on this album than the previous. Yeah, the drummer, the drumming is killer. Yeah, it is here, and everything is good. But it's funny because when Brian Fair is more melodic with his vocals, he still sounds as good as he did on those super clean albums. Well, yeah, the, well that's kind of what I was getting at yeah. when I say it's like a, it's like an offspring of the early and the last two albums before this. Yeah, I think it's a really good blend, and I think that's probably part of the reason why I like it. I get my I get my pretty and I get my you know kick in the teeth all at the same time. So you think they ended on a strong note? Oh, very much so. Well, I don't know if they ended necessarily. They've just been on indefinite hiatus, which is what bands, you know, say when they're like, "Well, we might break up, but we might not. We'll just see what happens." But I mean, it's been 6 years. Yeah, and there's other projects. Brian's actually hanging out with us here in St. Louis. Yeah, I did not know that until like yesterday. <laughs> so you know, totally we need to, down to do the interview. Yeah, we need yep. to get him. We need to get him in the studio. Yeah, we'll uh, ply him with some Emos Pizza and some Ted Drews. He'll be like, "Let's see how generic, we, how generic St. Louis we can be." He'll be like, "So let's talk about all the shit you talked on my harsh vocals." <laughs> Dan did. did Dan you hear, did. did you that hear guy fire from the sky. The dude could strangle me with his dreadlocks. Dude, his dreadlocks are like six feet long. Yeah, they're ridiculously awesome. Now, have you been whipped with them in concert? No, I never I never got that close to the stage because I don't know if this needs to be understated or needs to be restated, but this band was massively popular through most of the early 2000s, all the way till basically 2012. I mean, they were playing sold-out venues for sure. And uh, it's kind of refreshing. I, you know, I kind of feel like they're a little bit like soil work and that they are one of the more consistent bands that we've talked about. And, yeah, I mean, that doesn't mean I'm going to go off on a shit-talking tirade about them like I would with some other bands. But um, I, I appreciate solid bands. I appreciate solid material. And when you buy a new album by a band, it being a sure thing. And Shadows Fall has always kind of been that. Like, I've had my minor gripes and nitpicks with the way it's been produced or whether I thought that they were getting less aggressive or whatever because I'm insecure about myself and feel like <laughs> other bands have to maintain a certain level of aggression in order for me to justify myself. You know, that sort of stuff. All that inner turmoil. But uh, that's not really the band's problem. I think these guys did great. And uh, I'd love to hear them come back sometime. Would that be your final thought? Absolutely. Jeff, what about you? I want them to come back as well. Uh I like the way that they ended. I thought it was a, a very, very, very strong end. Being able to tie up uh, essentially the two different shadow shadows falls that uh, most people know, and uh, I liked it. You know, it's 
it was an easy buy when it came out for me. So I would recommend uh, everybody, after you're done with this episode, if you haven't checked out Shadows Fall, do yourself a favor and uh, go down the rabbit hole of their discography like we did because it was well worth it. Shadows Fall is a guitar player's band hiding in the mainstream of the early to mid-2000s. There are a lot of bands from the 80s that have terrible vocals. The drumming is absolute shit, and the majority of them don't have good bass players. But they get by because of how their guitars sound and their riffs. And people look back on them fondly and say, that is my favorite band of all time. Shadows Fall did something that was not different, but they did their own thing when everybody else was trying to be As I Lay Dying. And I definitely want them to come back and do what they want to do before 2020. Get on it, guys. Jeff, what's your album of the week? All right, I got to cheat. Sorry. It's going to be a cheat in the opposite direction. It's actually, uh, since we were talking about uh, local stuff, uh, a band called uh, Hallow Point. Uh, They don't have a full album out. They just have EPs. Um, So beyond our name, I guess that's that's probably the big thing. And uh, check them out, man. They're good. I'm so glad you brought up Trivium because my album of the week is Vengeance Falls by Trivium. Nice. Glad I could influence you. (laughs) They actually influenced me and probably R.E.M. did too because I caught their single of Losing My Religion and went looking for the album it was on. It's not on a record. But I found Vengeance Falls, which had the same album cover on the streaming service I was using, so I went for that. Dan? Uh, I've been listening to uh, Victim of the New Disease by All That Remains. It's much better than I anticipated. Really? I mean, it's no fall of ideals, but you know what it is. You know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Another thing I've been checking out lately is Good Company with Scott Bowling on YouTube. It is a video webcast that our buddy Scott Bowling sits down with prominent musicians the likes of Brian Head Welch from Corn, Sonny from POD, pretty much everybody from Fozzy. <laughs> uh, he did one with uh, Michael Sweet from Striper. And basically what he does is he sits down and interviews this artist and discusses their whole discography with them, which is something that we on Discography Discussion very much appreciate and can get behind. So if you're looking for a really high production value YouTube show, it can definitely uh, scratch that itch for you. Definitely one of the most well-produced shows I've seen on YouTube in a long time. And Scott's just got a really good demeanor and asks really good questions. Dude, he had HR from Bad Brains on recently. I know, man. Holy shit. I didn't realize that until yeah, I dude. just looked it up. I was like, damn. He gets some amazing people on there, dude. Yeah, he does. And on that note, this has been episode 92 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash DiscussMetal. We have some sweet perks. Give me a money.